I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And spoiler alert, a little bit later on in this podcast, we're going to share with you the history of cold fusion. Yes, cold fusion is complicated, but basically it's this holy grail of science. And like a perpetual motion machine, most people doubt that it's even possible. Actually. Now, you know what else is pretty near impossible? Creating a radio show for free. Mm, trust us. We've tried. Yeah. And the good news is the show's <laughs> become pretty popular, but to keep it amazing and engaging for our audience costs cash. And so we turn to you, dear listeners. If you dig the DPD, why don't you buy us a bottle of wine in the form of a donation? It can be a super nice bottle of wine or plonk, which is what we usually drink around here. Yep. Either way, the money helps us make the show and lets our overlords know that people actually listen. That's right, because sadly, the DPD is not a perpetual motion machine. <laughs> Head maybe, to our web- maybe in our teens. That, yeah, it could have been when we were younger and had energy. Head to our website, dinnerpartydownload.org, and click on the Contribute tab, please. Because the House of Representatives is not clicking on that tab. That is true. <laughs> and now on with the show. Here's your icebreaker. All right, here's a joke. Did you hear about the new corduroy pillows? They're making headlines. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. I'm Rico Galliano, and from APM American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from Varm Matiosian, tailored to Dapper director Wes Anderson, among others. He does a good job. That's right. I did a good job pronouncing his name, don't you think? I think so. <laughs> Perfect fit. And coming up, writer Neil Strauss, Cold Confusion, Jad Abumrad from Radiolab, The Saint Made of Spirits, and Up, Up, Up. But first, time for small talk. All week long, you've been hearing this. Allied warplanes have launched further airstrikes in western Libya. Legendary film actress Elizabeth Taylor has died. AT&T plans to buy fourth place T-Mobile. Now for something you haven't heard, we're speaking with Jad Abumrad, one of the hosts of Public Radio's other awesome show, Radio Lab. Jad, what story are you going to be talking about at dinner parties this weekend? A story of a fossil that was found on the island of Minorca of a giant rabbit. A 26.4-pound rabbit. Indie rockers rejoice the king of carrot flowers <laughs> exactly. has been discovered. Five million years ago, it, it was on this one particular island. And as you know, when you have an island, some crazy stuff evolutionarily can happen. Does this explain why England has all the rock and roll giants? <laughs> it may. The same sort of theory. Although they still, they're still around. They haven't yet fossilized. Well, that's true. well Mick is on his way. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> did the rabbit hop? Was it enormous? Like, did the ground shake as it hopped? No, that's the funny thing about this rabbit is that apparently on this island, the Mediterranean Sea went away for a while. And then it came back stranding this rabbit, Uh and it had no predators. So its eyes got smaller, its body got bigger, and it didn't need to hop. Wow. I mean, I'm looking at an article now with an artist's rendering of this (laughs) rabbit, and it looks sort of like a cow with a rabbit's head. How do we know it's a rabbit? (laughs) How do we know it's a rabbit? That's a good question. It's sort of the philosophical quandary of our age, really. (laughs) What is a rabbit? Jad, thanks for giving us that to ponder. Yeah, no problem. And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened this week in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is a slushy road in winter, except the slush turns out to be blended margaritas. It's like Jimmy Buffett's winter home. It's great. First, the history. This week, back in 1989, two chemists announced the biggest scientific breakthrough in history. But if it was such a big deal, how come you don't remember it? Yeah. Our, our friend <laughs> Michelle Philippi is here to explain. Your science lesson today? Nuclear fusion. In theory, it's a great way to generate clean power. The nuclei of two atoms fuse, releasing energy. 
the problem? Fusion only happens under extreme heat, like on the sun. Not exactly cheap or practical for powering the grid. But in 1989, two respected chemists, Stanley Pons and Martin Fleischmann, announced the impossible. They generated fusion energy at room temperature using a little device that cost just 100 grand. They called it cold fusion. The media called it a miracle. Often equated here the fusion with the discovery of fire. Is it of that magnitude? Oh boy, it'll usher in a whole new era. It'll change the whole geopolitical importance of oil, for example. You cannot overstate the importance of this if it's true. But it didn't seem to be. When other scientists tried cold fusion, most couldn't make it work. Soon, Pons and Fleischmann were accused of being delusional, or worse, frauds. Now, some say the pair got a bad rap, that the process works, just not all the time. Still, for most scientists, cold fusion is now synonymous with crackpots, which is why some who keep researching it prefer the term low-energy nuclear reactions. So that was the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze. I'm on the line with Dustin Smith. He is the bar manager at the Red Door in Salt Lake City, Utah, where the professors claim to have found cold fusion. Dustin, you've heard the history. What cocktail did it inspire you to make? Uh, we're going to call it The Saint after the 97 movie. Um, <laughs> About the, the discovery of cold fusion? Correct. All right. I'm going to start with a little slice of orange and muddle that in a glass. Okay. Add a little ice to that. And this is the cold part of the cold fusion? Well, we're going to finish that at the end. Okay, okay. Um, I've got a little High West Silver Whiskey. An ounce of hypnotic to give it that nice blue kind of cool feeling. Also, since we're talking about energy, I figured I'd add a little habanero infused vodka just to give it a little <laughs> bite, a little adrenaline nice. rush. Uh, give that a nice shake. Now I'm going to pour that into a little snifter which I have a chipped piece of dry ice. Brilliant. Do you guys usually keep dry ice around there? Yeah, we do. In case hair metal bands come by for a drink? Exactly. It's just for fun. I can't see this, but I'm guessing the effect is it kind of looks like sort of laboratory mad scientist (laughs) concoction. It really does. Yep. So cold fusion seems like it's one of these things that would be amazing if people could discover it. Do people have the same fantasies about, like, having cocktails that don't give them hangovers? Absolutely. I do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, Brendan, it just occurred to me, this has been a really science-y episode. I know, my brain hurts. Giant rabbit (laughs) fossils, fusion. We're almost beginning to sound like an actual public radio show. Yes. (laughs) Hemp travel mugs, here we come. That's right. I want Rodarte to design our tote bags, if that's okay. Okay. I don't know who that is. (laughs) Folks, you can admire the swag we don't have at our website, dinnerpartydownload.org. Our guest of honor this week is Neil Strauss. He's a contributing editor at Rolling Stone, the author of the best-selling book, The Game. His latest book is Everyone Loves You When You're Dead, which is the juiciest and most insane bits from his interviews with just about every famous person on Earth. And Neil, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. You and I are kind of in the same business, interviewing famous people. Here's the question I ask myself all the time, and I wonder if you do too. Why do we do it? I know, I, know, I think I know why I do it, because I, I will generally interview someone I'm curious about or have some sort of curiosity about. And I'm not always like asking the questions the reader wants to know. I'm really asking them what, what I'm really curious about. But I would emphasize the fact that does not necessarily mean that you like their work. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean I'll give you a small example. Uh, Christina Aguilera, when like Gene in a Bottle came out, and when I met her, I instantly didn't like her. 
at first. Yeah, it does not come off well in the book. Right. At first she doesn't, and because she's getting this gum-chomping teeny bopper who's like gorging on junk food. Sure. And But over the course of, of the week or two we'd spend together, because you spend a lot of time for these stories with the, with the subject, I noticed she would stare in the car. She'd start staring out the window. You could call her name, you know, and she just wouldn't respond like she wasn't there. And I realized, well, what kind of people tune out? It was people who were maybe abused as, as, as children or around a lot of abuse and had a disconnect. So I asked her about that. It was her first time kind of opening up and talking about that. And that, to me, was that moment where you broke through someone's sort of facade to find out, well, what really drove them and motivated them to become themselves. And that's when it gets interesting. There's a lot of people bearing stuff in here that did not make it into the original interviews when these were published. Right. And I can see why. Some of them do not come off that well in these snippets that you've decided to publish. Are you worried that you're going to make it harder for yourself to get further interviews? Well, you know, people are very weird about their interviews because you never know what they're going to object to or not object to. And I'll give you a quick example. There's a thing with Courtney Love yes. where she pulls out this metal tin full of ashes and says, say hi to Kurt. And I'm like, whoa. And she says, if you did cocaine, I'd suggest uh, snorting it with me. And I, and I saw her after the book signing in New York, and she wasn't upset that I said that. What she was upset by was the fact that I didn't clarify that she does not do cocaine. <laughs> So the truth only, is only her husband's ashes. Yeah, exactly. This is one of the things I like about the book is that it is it's the short attention span kids dream come true. You can turn to any page and it's some crazy thing that's being said by somebody. But for what interview did you actually have to wade through the most boring stuff before hitting the little gem that made it into the book? Oh man, you know it's one of my, I hate to say it cuz one of my favorite people in the book. Really? But I would say Bruce Springsteen. Really? Cuz he does. He comes across as just a total doll in the book. Oh, he's a total doll. He's the nicest guy in the world. And if you ask him a question, he'll answer it really profoundly and thoughtfully. And But he'll start to talk himself in a circle. I think of it almost like a clock. If it's the 12, it'll go around. It'll hit 12 again. Then it'll keep going around if you kind of don't stop him and ask the next question. And But on the other hand, it makes sense then that he does four-hour concerts, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, we asked two questions of everyone. First question is, if we were to meet you at a dinner party, what question should we not ask you? <laughs> How do I approach a girl? Oh, that's right. Because the game, your best-selling book, is is about picking up girls. Yeah, and I relate to it. I'll usually answer it if someone asks me. But on the other hand, you wrote a book about it. Why didn't they just read it? Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, our second question is, tell us something we don't know that would kind of blow people's minds at a dinner party. See, see, it's such a loaded question. Yes, it is. As, as, and speaking from interviewer to interviewer, Yes. here's what you should do. When I interviewed Sasha Baron Cohen, and this is a great way of avoiding the question, by the way. Yeah, it is. But this is kind of interesting. Sasha Baron Cohen... You sit there and you ask people these questions, this Borat or LAG, and these inane questions that are mocking them. Why do they not leave the room? Right. When Borat is interviewing somebody right. and, and clearly asking them these t ridiculous questions, why don't they split? But here's why. What you don't see is for the previous half hour, he's been asking them normal, normal, normal questions. They've let down their guard. So what I need is for these interviews to be five hours long. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Five hours long, but just use the last two to four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> your producers will love it. Well, little do you know that by the time this interview airs, all the parts about your book will be gone. <laughs> It'll just be this stuff. Exactly. So, Rico, if Neil Strauss had snorted Kurt's ashes, it, yes, if I think both you and I know what they would have smelled like. Teen spirit couldn't resist. Oh man. Anyway, folks, that's the dinner party download for this week. Special thanks to Jackson Musker and Ravi Carmen. And now we leave you with One for the Road, a song to listen to on your way to or returning from this weekend's dinner party. This is off the latest from Bright Eyes. The name of the song is Shell Games. Bon Appetit. Took the fireworks and the vanity, the circuit board and the city streets, shooting stars, swaying palm trees. 
laid it at the arbiter's feet. If I could change my mind, change the paradigm, prepare myself for another life, forgive myself for the many times I was cruel to something helpless and weak. But here I come, that heavy love, I'm never gonna move it alone. Here I come, that heavy love, tag it on a tenement wall. Here come that heavy love Someone gotta share in the load oh, Here come that heavy love I'm never gonna move it alone Something pure, death obsessed like a teenager. Sold my tortured youth, pissed in vinegar. I'm still angry with no reason to be. At the architect, cool imagineers. For the every man blessed Sisyphus, slipping steadily into madness. Now that's the only place to be free. But here come that heavy love. Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noon. Oh man, I love this song. Brings back. Wait. Oh no. Oh no. 